Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. I hope you are doing well this Friday or whatever day you're listening to this show. As I said in the last episode, we have a guest today who is uniquely suited to talk about today's topic. And today's topic is crisis. It's a very relevant topic, but our guest today is no opportunist. He was already writing a book focused on crisis, and the publishers decided to release the Kindle version a few months early because of this pandemic that we're dealing with right now. So some of our discussion is in light of the coronavirus pandemic, but in general, what we want to think about today is how do we as leaders think about and prepare for crisis no matter what it is? What are some things we can be doing now so that in the future we are more prepared for whatever comes our way? Our guest today has more than 30 years of experience as a crisis management expert, CEO, public relations consultant, journalist, communications director, and press secretary for members of Congress and political candidates. He is the former marketing strategies columnist for the Wall Street Journal's StartupJournal.com and the author of two public relations handbooks. He managed internal and external crisis situations as the CEO of two trade associations and has conducted crisis management and communication training for hundreds of CEOs and other top company officials. His newest book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies was released earlier this week. Here is Edward Siegel. Edward, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. I have already teased your book in the episode earlier this week, and I'm excited to get into that and what we have to learn from you. But before we do that, I like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some insight for our own lives. You ready for these? Let's do it. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Well, the most important experience that continues to influence what I'm doing today is the experience I had with the uh, equivalent of being thrown into the deep end of the pool and not knowing how to swim. And that was my experience when I became the chief executive officer of uh, the Marin Association of Realtors in, uh, in Northern California. Um, it was a good experience because I had a lot of hands-on experience dealing with volunteers uh, who were the core of the association and dealing with a board of directors, which uh, provided uh, overall leadership for the organization and dealing with uh, staff which provided the, the day-to-day nuts and bolts operation of the association. But it was a uh, great experience because I had never been a CEO, and I learned on the job, I learned by doing, and I learned the good lessons and the bad lessons, but all of those lessons uh, are still with me today. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? A leader is often unprepared. A leader should be prepared, and a leader has to do things to continue to be prepared. 
preparation, being prepared, I think is the, the three most important um, words and descriptors for any leader today. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? The most important question is, am I ready? <laughs> am I prepared? Are you prepared for the unexpected? Because in, in this very uncertain environment, it's not a matter of if a company or organization or a leader is going to have a crisis. The question is, when are they going to have a crisis and what are they going to do about it? What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? I'm a great fan of um, Doris Kearns Goodwin, and she wrote a book uh, last year, now out on paperback, about leadership, presidential leadership. And she does a great job tracing the history and providing great insights and perspectives about uh, different presidents and what they have done, what they did do to learn, to succeed. And what those leaders went through, I think, continue to provide important, powerful lessons for today's leaders. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening in the world, in your industry, and outside of your industry, and ask yourself, what would I do as a leader to help address uh, that particular situation? Every leader has an opportunity to have a free continuing education on leadership by paying very close attention to the good, bad, and ugly ways leaders are dealing with their own crisis, dealing with their own situations, and dealing with their own challenges. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I think it's always better to ask why. That leads to more answers, more potential answers, more potential solutions. Why not, to me, seems a little bit more self-limiting. And I think as a leader, you need to be open to every possibility, every avenue of solutions to challenges that we're facing today. And I think those answers are more likely to come if you ask why. Now, Edward, we are here today to talk about your new book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. And as I teased in our episode earlier this week, this is a book that wasn't originally set to be released now, but obviously because of our current crisis with this COVID-19 pandemic, people are paying a lot more attention to crisis and its effect on our lives. Could you talk for a second about how the release has been so far and also why you wanted to write this book in the first place pre-pandemic? Well, the book was released on Amazon as an ebook uh, earlier today. And just in a matter of a few hours, it's always already at uh, the number three position for Amazon's books of new releases for uh, public relations books. And it's doing well overall. Just in a few hours, it's been for sale. So I'm very happy about that. The publisher, because of the pandemic, uh, made the decision a couple, three weeks ago to rush the book to publication. It had been originally scheduled for uh, mid-June, but because of the current coronavirus crisis, they thought we wanted to get uh, my advice out there and available as soon as possible. So that's why they released it as an ebook today. It'll be available as a, a paperback in uh, mid-June. The reason I wrote the book is because my career has been about crisis management. No matter what company I worked for, what organization I had as a client, or what position I had with an employer, 
there was usually a crisis one way or the other to deal with. Some of the crises were behind the doors and never became known to the public. Um, others uh, were the fodder for headlines and tweets and blog posts and uh, were part of uh, national or, in one case, international uh, crisis situations. I wanted to write down what I knew about crisis management. I wanted to share with a broader audience my experience preparing for, managing, and recovering from a crisis. And I thought the best way to do that would be in a book. So that's why I'm really excited the ebook is out now and that the paperback version will be out in June. Now, 101 Ways, obviously, we're not going to be able to talk about each of these today, but could you give listeners uh, kind of an idea of what is behind these 101 Ways? Is this a source book for how to handle different situations, or is it really just such a complex topic that you have to talk about so many different ways to address crisis? No, actually, the book is meant for four audiences to use four different ways. Audience one is to prepare for those organizations and leaders who want to prepare for uh, a crisis, it walks you through the basic steps you need to get ready. If you want to prevent a crisis, I offer you advice and insights and suggestions on what you can do now to prevent a lot of different crisis situations from happening. A third audience are those leaders who actually find themselves knee deep or waist deep or up to their neck deep in a crisis right now. And I have very practical advice of what they can do to deal with that crisis situation. The fourth and last audience are for those who have gone through a crisis and are want to take steps now to recover and bounce back um, from that crisis. The 101 best practices, uh, which is the basis of the book, really applies to every aspect of what you're doing, whether you're preparing for a crisis, want to prevent a crisis, are dealing with a crisis, or want to recover from a crisis. I have studied literally thousands of crisis situations over the years and found a lot of things that were common in a lot of the uh, crisis situations. So this book is a compilation and a distillation of the best practices that I've identified from the good, bad, and ugly ways others have dealt with a crisis and also reflects my own experience. So it's a combination of my experience and the experience of others. And earlier you said that when it comes to crises, it's a matter of if not when. Now, we've heard that. Everyone knows that phrase. But it's in times like these where that becomes much clearer. What would you like leaders to take away from this experience when it comes to crisis? Don't assume that just because you haven't had a crisis yet that you're not going to have a crisis tomorrow. Don't assume that just because you already had a crisis you're not going to have another crisis. And don't assume that you know everything. There's a tremendous amount of knowledge and insights and perspectives that you can learn from the good, bad, and ugly ways others have dealt with a crisis. And when it comes to managing a crisis, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of good advice, a lot of good experience, a lot of good insights uh, to be learned from how others are dealing with a crisis. And of course, a lot of those lessons and experiences are in my book because I've studied thousands of different crisis situations, the news reports about them, the observations and recommendations of leaders who have gone through uh, this trial of fire of a crisis. So this book helps to make it as easy as possible for leaders to learn from the successes and sometimes the mistakes of others who've already gone through a crisis. 
Now, it is so helpful to have people like you in these times who for years have already been studying these issues. You mentioned earlier that you are distilling a lot of commonalities that people experience in crises or a lot of commonalities that arise in crisis situations. Could you talk a little bit about what some of those commonalities are? Well, the first thing that is common to a lot of crisis situations is that they were completely unexpected. Uh, Every organization I've studied literally never saw it coming. They were taken by surprise, taken unawares. They may have thought that they were ambushed because of what happened, but that's that's the first lesson about any crisis. Um, It's usually unexpected because if you can see a crisis coming, you should also take steps to diffuse it so it doesn't happen. But that's been a common mistake of a lot of organizations I've studied is that even though they think there might be a crisis, they don't do anything about it. Or in retrospect, the crisis was so so obvious that they should have seen it coming. So that's common with a lot of organizations I've studied. Another thing they often have in common is the fact that they waited too long to address the crisis. A rule of thumb in dealing with any crisis is that you shouldn't wait to deal with it. You should act immediately, and you should try to get it behind you as soon as possible. But some organizations feel that they can take their time in dealing with a crisis, emergency, or a scandal, and by the time they get around to doing something about it, that delay often makes the situation worse and digs them deeper into that hole. Something else that they often have in common is the fact that they don't have the resources in-house to deal with a particular crisis. It's impossible to be prepared for every single crisis that could happen to any organization. But it's important then, if you don't have the resources to deal with a crisis, don't hesitate to reach out for the expert advice, the consultants, the vendors, the suppliers, whoever you need to help deal with a crisis. Some organizations don't have the IT expertise, for example, uh, to deal with uh, a hacking or ransomware situation, but they can easily find that expertise. Some companies don't have the HR resources they need to deal with a personnel problem that might have blossomed into a crisis, but you can find that expertise. Anything that you need to help deal with a crisis, manage a crisis, and recover from the crisis. If you don't have that expertise, reach out and get the help you need right away. How do you recommend leaders think about what types of crises to prepare for? Because as you said, a lot of times it totally comes out of the blue. It's, it's totally unexpected. What are those, those expertises that you would recommend people seeking out to make sure that your bases are as covered as possible? You really need to think about your worst-case nightmare scenario. In fact, in my book, I have dozens of crisis scenarios, worst-case scenarios, of things that could go wrong and actually have gone wrong for individuals, corporations, and organizations. And the purpose of those scenarios are for people to start thinking creatively, to use their imagination, to think about the worst possible things that could happen to them and their organizations and how they would uh, respond to it. So think, think outside the box. Think about the worst possible things that could happen to your organization. Think about the things that you hope would never, ever, ever happen to your organization. But what would, what would happen if those nightmares scenarios happened to you tomorrow? 
and be a student of uh, how others are doing. There's so much news coverage about how well or poorly companies and individuals are handling a crisis. And I think by doing some uh, role-playing, put yourself in the shoes of others. If something that is happening that's terrible to a company now, if you were the CEO of that organization, what would you do? How would you handle it? And by continuing to play those exercises and role-playing, I think that's a, a good way for every CEO, manager, and leader of any organization to get to and stay at the top of their game for when a crisis happens to them. For someone who's listening to what you're saying right now and is interested in the topic of your book and really wants to make sure that their team or their organization is ready for crisis, do you have any recommendations for how people can can begin having those conversations without coming across as overly negative or a Debbie Downer? Because people don't enter into these conversations trying to bring the organization down, but a lot of other people, especially when things are better, would say, hey, we don't need to worry about that. Why are you trying to bring that type of stuff up? How do you bring up those conversations, assuming that you're not in a global pandemic like we are right now? Well, it doesn't matter what the potential crisis is or what the real crisis is today. Companies and organizations have a lot at stake. If they're a publicly traded company, their stock price could be at risk if they have a crisis. Their ability to retain uh, or recruit uh, workers could be at risk. Their ability to sell their products or services uh, could be in danger. So it's not a matter of being a, a Debbie Downer, as you say it. It's, being, it's a matter of protecting your assets. So much as it's, is at stake for any company and organization, if you're not taking steps now to prepare for these possible worst-case scenarios, then you are really putting uh, your organization, your future, your employees, your customers, your new business prospect, you're putting that all on the line. And I think that is so much that an organization can lose. Um, I don't think it's right to uh, essentially roll the dice and see what would happen. Too many companies would prefer to engage in the worst ways of dealing with a crisis or preparing for a crisis. And that's to deny it could ever happen, to ignore the possibilities, and to delay in dealing with a crisis when it happens, hoping that there will never be a crisis. And hope, luck, denial, uh, those are the worst ways to prepare for a crisis and the worst way to deal with a crisis. But that doesn't stop companies from continuing to hope, deny, or ignore a problem today. They do so at the risk, they do so at the peril, and they do so at putting a lot of what they have worked hard to get on the line. And gambling is not a good strategy for any organization. So you mentioned that there are really four different groups that you're writing this book for. Those who want to prepare for a crisis, those who want to prevent one, those who are deep in crisis, and those who are trying to recover from crisis. I'm thinking about those people who are deep in crisis at the moment. What are some insights that you can provide for that type of person, for that type of leader? And also, what can your book provide for someone who is in that crisis mode right now? Well, my book can give them step-by-step -step directions. Uh, depending upon the crisis that they're having, where they are in the crisis, and what they need to uh, deal with uh, the, uh, the crisis. The pandemic crisis that the world is suffering through right now is rather unique. It is the first crisis that we've had that has affected so many people so quickly around the world. And it happened so suddenly that no one saw it coming. And companies and organizations 
who are now going through their own crisis because of the pandemic crisis have some really important questions to ask and some critical steps to take to survive this crisis. First, they need a reality check. How are they doing? Do they have enough money to, uh, to pay their bills, to pay their rent, to pay their employees, to pay their vendors and suppliers? How much money do, money do they have? If they have a full bank account now, how long will that money last, depending upon uh, how long this uh, pandemic crisis lasts? If they make their projections for how long they could last and they think they'll be running out of money at some point, what steps can they take now to help build up more reserves? Taking out a loan, uh, seeking money from uh, investors, uh, perhaps tapping into some of the money that uh, Congress had made available for uh, economic uh, stimulus uh, to provide loans and perhaps even grants, the Paycheck Protection Act, for example. Those can be important uh, resources uh, to get through the, uh, the current crisis. But if they're also if they are in uh, a business where they rely on clients and customers who help make them a success before the crisis struck, I would recommend that they reach out and have good, positive communications with those clients and those customers. Ask if, how they are doing in this crisis. Ask how you can uh, be of assistance to them uh, during this national public health emergency. Sooner or later, this crisis will end, but how you treat your customers and your clients now can leave a good or a bad taste in the days, weeks, and months ahead. And how you treat them now can help determine if they want to continue to do business with them later. As you think about your world and the organizations that you work with, in a perfect world, what do leaders take away from this pandemic experience to make sure that their organizations are more prepared for whatever crisis is ahead? Well, the lesson, the obvious lesson is, my God, we never saw it coming. How could we possibly have foreseen this crisis? But the reality is we could have seen this crisis. There have been a series of national public health emergencies that have hit this country uh, over the past more than 100 years. There was the uh, 1918 influenza uh, epidemic that uh, killed many more people uh, than have been killed so far with uh, this crisis. We had the polio crisis in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s that uh, killed or second many, many, many people. We had the Ebola crisis. We had the AIDS crisis. So the lesson is we should never become complacent that just because we had a crisis before, it's not going to hit us again. We should have been much more prepared for this crisis than we were for this crisis now. Uh, our government should have been better prepared, and it wasn't. Companies and organizations need to learn that uh, because of the history of having crises in this country, whether it's economic or health, there's going to be a crisis and you need to be prepared for it. The other lesson to be learned is you really need to beef up your resources and to be prepared for the, the unexpected. You should have a crisis management plan in place for any kind of crisis, whether it's a relatively small unknown crisis that happens behind closed doors at your company or your organization, or a crisis that plays out in uh, newspaper uh, headlines around the world. That's why I have in my book, The uh, Basics of a Generic uh, 
crisis management plan, and you can have access to it on the password-protected site on my website at publicrelations.com. You can actually download the generic plan template, and you can customize it for own, your own particular situation. And the last lesson to be learned is that you should practice your plan. If you don't have a plan in place now, get one right away. And as soon as you have it, practice, practice, practice. A plan without practicing it is like having no plan at all. You have to make sure that the plan works to see if there's any weak spots or areas where it needs to be strengthened and make sure that everyone in your organization knows you have it and what you will do in particular situation. Just having a plan is worthless unless you know it works and having the plan says the right message to a lot of different people that when, not if, a crisis happens, you'll know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Well, Edward, you've mentioned publicrelations.com. You've talked about your book on Amazon. Are there any other places that you would like people to go to find out more about you and the work that you do? Well, you can go to my uh, personal website at edwardsiegel.com. That has more information about my public relations uh, services that I have provided and can provide to corporations and organizations. I also do seminars and workshops on public relations and uh, crisis management. And I also uh, provide uh, counseling and coaching services. I've uh, helped hundreds of executives learn how to give effective presentations, how to have a successful interviews with uh, editors and reporters. And you can learn more about my services and my experiences at edwardsiegel.com. Edward, thank you so much for your time today and the great information you've provided. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So there you have it. I hope you will take the time to check out Edward's book and take the time to think about what it looks like for you to prepare as much as you can in this crisis, but also be thinking ahead to what you can be doing in the future, because we have no way of knowing what the future holds and what the next crisis is going to be, but we can be sure that something is going to be happening, and that's not something we need to be living in fear over, but it is something that should encourage us to reevaluate how we're operating and how prepared we are to weather whatever storm or whatever issue comes our way. Now, let's go ahead and get to today's three key takeaways. The first one is this. Most people wait too long to address a crisis. Sometimes this is because of denial and sometimes not. Sometimes you just don't realize that something is a big issue until it is maybe too late. I'm sure if you can think back to times in your life, there were times where you thought you might need to act, but you weren't quite sure if it was serious enough or if it was important enough, and so you just kind of waited on the sidelines for a second. I know there are times when I have been faced with situations, and I had to figure out in the moment, is this as big of a situation as it could be, or am I overreacting? And there's always that tension, and that's where wisdom and instinct and things like that need to be involved. But Part of the way that we can know whether or not we need to respond is by learning from the people who have come before us and seeing how they've responded and what the consequences of their actions were. So the first takeaway, most people wait too long to address a crisis. The second key takeaway is this. Hope, luck, and denial are the worst ways to prepare for and deal with a crisis. I don't know what else to add to that, but the truth is hope, luck, and denial are not going to help you evade a crisis, and they're certainly not going to help you get through one. So be sure that you have more on your side than hope, luck, and denial. And the final key takeaway is this. In a time of crisis, cultivate good, positive communication with your customers. 
And this could extend beyond customers to people on your team, people in your community, however else you want to define it, however else it makes sense to define it for you. But remember this, how you treat people in a time of difficulty could have long lasting effects on your relationship with them, either positively or negatively. So be sure that in a time of crisis, you are cultivating good, positive communication with your customers, with your community, and with your teammates. Now, as a teaser for our first interview for next week, I want to ask you this question. What if, in a time where a lot of us have experienced a lot of turmoil and upending in our lives, wouldn't it be nice if we could just have a few core things to focus on each day to make sure that we're living as good of a life as we can? Well, that is precisely what our guest thinks, and he makes the case that there are three simple things we need to do to give us that strong foundation to weather the storm. I'm really excited to share that info with you next week, so I hope you'll join then, and until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well. <laughs>